0: I invite you to rise in honor of the gospel and from Mark's gospel in the 14th chapter. And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, And as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. And they began to be sorrowful and to say to him one after another, Is it I? He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be better for that man if he had not been born. They went out to the Mount of Olives. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated as we sing, and we will sing King of Kings. From a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening where you gather us together around your word and around your gifts, your promises given to us. We pray that you'd remove distractions from our hearts and minds and let us rest in those very promises that you give us in Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Promises are a hard thing sometimes. Like my promise to communicate with our neighbors when we have services and I forget sometimes, so we may hear a few things from the roof, I apologize. But promises throughout life, as we make them, some of them we're really good about remembering that we actually said them to start with, and then fulfilling them and doing them. And folks that do this are, you know, a person of their word, somebody who has integrity, somebody who follows through, somebody you can trust, and to be quite honest, I don't think that's us 100% of the time. Some more than others, most definitely, but 100% of the time, is tough. And just think through some of the promises that you've made even to yourself. You know, the one that you should be able to remember who made the promises, right? And what to do about them. I mean, how New Year's go for any of you that made resolutions? Still sticking to it? No? And promises go by a lot of different names, right? We might hear resolutions. Uh, Another thing we might hear is uh, some sort of commitment that we'll make to do something, right? So those New Year's resolutions that may have been forgotten in February, we pick back up in Lent and we say, I'm going to do it this time. And most of the time, we get there. I think through wedding vows. Now, some, we will hear those vows and those are promises made before God and before man, and man, oh man, do we not hear or see them fulfilled 100% of the time. Even within long-standing, healthy marriages, I can guarantee you, there isn't a person in that marriage that hasn't had to say, I'm sorry, would you please forgive me? There's times at which we don't hold up our end of the deal, not by any means. And oftentimes with promises, there's another word that comes along with promises, especially in Scripture. And so one other word that we will hear uh, within Scripture for the word promises is covenant, a covenantal promise. And with covenants, a lot of times also come commands. So we hear these and see these two things in juxtaposition of one another as they are there within Scripture, oftentimes complementing one another as well. I mean, go back all the way to creation. There's God from eternity, and he commands everything out of nothing. With just his voice, just his word, a spoken word from the mouth of God, and everything comes to life. He tells nothing to do something, and it becomes alive. That's pretty amazing to be able to command nothing. I've tried to command a lot of things and gotten nothing, but he's able to command nothing and get anything he wants. That's amazing. And as he created everything and brought life into existence and put everything in place for all of creation to be sustained and to thrive, right into the middle of all of it, after all of this life-giving word and creation, he places Adam and Eve, and he gives a few commands. Steward the creation. Be fruitful and multiply. Don't eat from the tree, which I think Adam's ears were still stuck on be fruitful and multiply because everything was perfect. And then everything kind of fell apart. These promises and commands made by God to promise to take care of everything, Adam and Eve, in their perfect initial trust and creation, still fell. Fell to a point where they hid themselves in shame. They ate from the tree. They sinned. They didn't trust God's word at all. They trusted a different word, one that couldn't create and bring life, but a word that would bring death. So another command had to come. Get out of the garden. You can't stay here anymore. You've got to go. But on the tails of that was another promise. Eve, from your seed will come one, who will crush the serpent's head while his heel is bruised. I promise you, I'll make it right. As history went on from there, we get to Abraham, and a command to Abraham comes, Abraham, get up, go. I'll make of you many nations. Your offspring will be as countless as the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky, and through you will come the one who will redeem all nations. What an amazing promise. And to show God's intensity with that promise and to show God's heart within that command and promise, he makes this covenant with Abraham, this promise. And this type of covenant was a special one. See, this was one where both parties of the covenant were to walk through it together. And if any of them broke the covenant, that one would take death upon their head. It was a covenant where you had animals, half on this side and half on this side, not half of a pair, but half of one animal on each side to show the importance that death lay in the middle of this covenant if you went outside the bounds of it. But see, God was so gracious even in that promise. He put Abraham to sleep, and God walked through that covenant all by himself to take on his own part and Abraham's part. Because he knew Abraham wouldn't be able to uphold the entirety of what God was asking. And as we jump forward, we see God remaining to see his people, his chosen people, Israel. And as they cry out in slavery in Egypt, he brings them out from there into his presence at Mount Sinai. And he makes them another promise, I'm going to take you to the land. That I choose for you, to the promised land, to the place where you will thrive and survive once again as I am in your presence. I will be your God, and you will be my people. What a promise from the very mouth of God! And he said, here's what it's going to look like for you to be my people, though. There's these ten commands that I'm going to give you over here and these, these other 503 or 603 that I'm going to give you along with those for what life's going to look like in the temple and in society and in the culture and in how you're going to eat and everything else. But this is what it's going to look like to be my people, but I've already promised you, you're mine. And I'm not going to let you go. These promises, these covenants are beautiful things. God speaks over his people promises that God alone can fulfill and as the years went on there finally came a moment where that seed of Eve that promised one to Abraham this one that would come to fulfill the law that all of the people of Israel said they would fulfill yet couldn't this one son of God Jesus himself born into the flesh all God and all man There to take on everything. All of God's promises. All of the people's promises. And as this Passover came once again, where they would come to this celebratory feast in Jerusalem with all of the people around joined together in this beautiful celebration, he sits for one last meal with his disciples as they gather around that table and recline. And he changes things. He takes this thousand-year-old tradition and feast of the Jews and inserts himself right into the middle of it as they had known of it as a way to remember that God was present with them to bring life. He then steps into the middle of that very meal. He says, look, this bread which you've eaten for years upon years as you've grown up. And as the generations since the time of Moses and coming out of Egypt have eaten this very bread that you know of, that God directed you to eat as he led you out of sin and slavery and into freedom, this bread is my body. This is my presence with you. And this cup, this particular cup of the meal, this cup, Of salvation, this thing which you have drunk as a remembrance of the salvation that God gave you that one day at Passover and the salvation that you pray for, for the day that the Messiah would come, this cup, this is my blood for you. This is me in the middle of this meal for you. This is me to bring you salvation so that when you look back on all the promises that you have made to God and to people and see where you fall short, this is me for your forgiveness this is me for your salvation this is me for the strengthening of your faith right here in this meal What a beautiful thing that's given to us by God himself Jesus the very word of God made flesh that word that breathed life into everything now breathes himself right into the middle of a meal that then goes into the hands and mouths of the disciples and goes into your hands and mouths, baptized Christians you receive Jesus in this meal as he promises to keep his presence with you. Not only spiritually by the Holy Spirit, but physically in that meal as he has placed himself into the middle of it so that his promises would remain fulfilled. Because it was just a few weeks later as he looked at the disciples and said, I will be with you always, even unto the end of the age beautiful end of the age to look forward to but to know that right now in this time and place baptized in his name fed by his body and blood and his forgiveness we have that new creation and restoration already you look at the world with different eyes than you would if you were outside of christ you see as you walk through the world you hear his command love one another as I have loved you. See, that command only makes sense when we see his fulfilled promise. His fulfilled promise that he has forgiven us, that he has loved us and continues to, that he continues to be the one that brings us life, that he continues to be the only one that brings us salvation, that he continues to be the one that holds on to us and all of our unfulfilled promises as he looks at us and says, I have taken your unfulfilled promises to the cross you're made right, you're forgiven. You are justified because of what Christ has done for you. And in this meal, he puts himself right into your hands to be present with you, to hold on to you so that you would know of his presence all the way until the day that he comes back and is in our presence in sight and sound and we get to enjoy a meal around a table fed by our Lord he's the host fulfilling every promise because he's coming back he promised you amen would you pray with me dear heavenly father we thank you for all that you have given us through your son jesus and that in his body and blood we are forgiven a sacrifice that he has made on our part to be the unblemished lamb and to be the one that died for our sins We thank you for this beautiful gift where he is the fulfillment of all of the law and the fulfillment of all of the prophecies and the fulfillment of every Passover so that we could rejoice that your expectation for your creation is fulfilled and now with opened eyes and hearts and minds, we see how you have loved us and send us out to love others. We pray you let us rest in that promise that you have given us in Jesus of life and salvation in him.